before you even watch this video, you got to share the hell out of it before Zuckerberg and all the other lamestream media have it taken down. What on flat earth do you sheep will not get? Having your video taken down means it's the truth. That's the only reason they remove videos. This is just like the Wikipedia summary of 1984 said it would be. And don't even bother sharing your little peer-reviewed articles in the comments. I don't care about your degrees and your research and how many years you've been at your job. I went to the University of YouTube and I graduated MAGA yell loudly. All you have to do to find the truth is just open your eyes and form an opinion and create some research based on that opinion and then do no other research. It's that simple. Wake up, sheeple. The truth shall set you free. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. Ah, well, we wouldn't want that. I'm so happy I could die right now. I am so happy. I'm so happy since you left me. Die because I'm so and just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, into the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air podcast. Generally speaking, it's available every Wednesday. Once a week is the goal anyway. My name is Brian Stone. You likely already know that. We are already almost halfway through this god-awful year as we are just about in the middle point of May. Snap your fingers. It'll be June in about five minutes from now. It'll be September in a week and a half. It'll be the holidays in three and a half weeks after that. I mean, this is this is crazy how uh, fast this thing's blazing right on by. Let's see what's going on today. Um, this is one of those shows... I've got lined up today. I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. You know, I'm not saying like this is going to be such a good show, great stuff. Uh, you know, that's for up for everybody else to decide. Uh, this is one of those shows that is a radio host, a professional radio host's dream. It is a show sheet f- completely top to bottom filled uh, with bullet points and uh, commentary and uh, you know additional notes. And audio files with the with the time written out as to how long they are, intros and outros for all three segments. It is uh, it is the f- very very fine work of a producer for a talk show host. A dream, as I mentioned. Now, what's not a dream is having to do both of those jobs. <laughs> so that's why I don't do it every week because it takes forever to do when you have to do both but I had a lot of time this weekend and a lot of stuff uh, audio wise fall in my lap and so I've been working on this podcast since probably probably last Thursday so almost a full week uh, definitely a bunch on Friday plenty on Saturday I and mean, Sunday Monday I've been working on it every day so there's a lot li- li- uh, to, to fire off here from audio wise stuff to read stuff to get to and unfortunately just about every damn bit of the subject matter of the show today is going to be about the damn coronavirus about covid-19 I I hate that I don't want I don't want that to be what I spend an entire show on with three different angles from uh from the pandemic but there's there's not a hell of a lot else to, to get to right now and um there's some interesting things to uh, examine here. And so while I, I hate it on one hand, I don't hate it on another because I think uh, there's some some interesting stuff to uh, to dissect here, and that's what we'll start doing 
right now. I'll lay out the uh, menu of the show, if you will, here in just a minute. First, we'll continue the weekly update of quarantine or semi-quarantine TV programming, uh, Handmaid's Tale. I am now halfway through season three, and the show continues to be, you know, it's off book, as I've mentioned in the past, if you're here every week. I'm not loving the way it's going, but it's still keeping me. It's still gripping me, so I would stay with it if if you've decided to go down that road. i got about half a season left until I will be caught up, and I don't know that I'll continue once the show gets into season four or not. I might. I might not. So I watched a couple of movies from the 1990s that people absolutely adore, and a lot of this is, is because of your memory of watching something when you're young and then then romanticizing it as you grow old, like the Goonies for a lot of people. For me, it's Back to the Future. I, I'd like to think Back to the Future holds up no matter who you are, what age you are, what generation you are in, that movie holds up. I might be wrong. I don't know. Um, I don't have the luxury of knowing because I watched it when I was very young. The Titanic, you know, the 1997 James Cameron movie. Would I think that that movie is incredible now if I didn't watch it then and didn't already have my... Uh, fascination with that uh, era of American history and the Titanic story all the way around? I'm not sure. But two that I'd never watched back in the mid to late 90s that so many people love from from people that I know directly tell me about it and from what I've just seen on the periphery my whole life, I watched them here this past week. And oh my God. First one was Jurassic Park. The first one. Now, clearly, there's an appetite for this show, or excuse me, movie, because they've made, what, seven of them? (laughs) Or at least three or four. And holy bleep, could I not have been more bored with that stupid-ass movie? Had a couple of moments, a little bit of moments that I thought, okay, and I remember watching it a little bit when I was young. I mean, I've been in the room when Jurassic Park 1 was on countless times. But I thought, oh, a uh, uh, amusement park with dinosaurs. Can't wait to watch that. Well, I guess I was thinking the same way then as I am now. So stupid. From the same time frame, um, I decided to watch, and this was by uh, suggestion of my girlfriend. We were just trying to watch TV, just kill some time, just like everybody else is. Hey, let's see if Twister is on. Because, well, obviously, we've had the tornadoes come through, and that was just topical on our mind, and let's watch it. Of course, Helen Hunt and uh, what, Paxson, right? Bill Paxson. Bunch of people in it, actually. A lot, a lot of really good uh, actors and actresses are in that movie. And, man, if that couldn't be just as stupid as any other 90s movie. And it goes right along with all those Armageddons and all those other movies. I was just like, oh, my God, what a stupid as hell movie. So cliched and so full of those 90s movie kind of overacting kind of jobs. But... Anyway, it's just not my thing, and if it's an hour and a half long, that's not long enough to get character development correctly and to really engage me. If it's two and a half, three hours long, that's too long for one setting. If it's good enough to be two and a half to three hours long, then it should be good enough to be ten hours long and it be in ten installments as a miniseries or a TV show. But anyway, that uh, I'll be done with there. And then The Last Dance, the uh, second to to last week of the uh, episodes, Seven and eight were very good, just like the whole the whole documentary. And it's not a documentary. It's it's how Michael Jordan wants us to perceive all this. A documentary would dive way deeper into a lot of the things going on here, from his marriages to to the gambling to uh, things outside of just on on the court. Um, and I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. It was pretty good. I, this thing is going to end up being three or four hours longer than it needs to be. 
but that's fine. The final two episodes coming up this weekend. So as what generally happens when I put together a podcast early, other things start popping up towards closer to record time. And this one was a doozy on Monday, and I spent very little time looking at it as I do anything involved with Trump, and I try to spend as little amount of time as possible on this show talking about anything from this administration. But now, um, here's the new f- strategy, I guess. Obamagate. And he committed some of the worst crimes in the history of American politics, I guess. That's what I'm hearing. All I know is is that this television program is continuing this is just uh it's just bizarro land and it got me thinking about an old south park attention universe be sure to tune in next week for another exciting episode of earth the asians are really stewed at the russians the zebras try to get along with the buffalo and americans and iraqis have an all-out brawl it's outrageous fun and it's all new earth on Fagno. We at Nerzod Productions started 20 billion years ago with one philosophy. The best universal television isn't scripted, it's real. A few billion years ago we realized, what if we took species from all different planets in the universe and put them together on the same planet? Great TV, right? Asians, bears, ducks, Jews, deer, and Hispanics all trying to live side by side on one planet. It's great. (laughs) I love it. That was season seven. One of the better episodes I've ever had. Season seven. That would have made that around like 2004 or so, and I will leave all that right there. Coming up in the final segment of the show, hashtag best day ever. Well, maybe not best day ever, but best day of the year. When I patroned a couple local establishments, and some people weren't happy about it. We'll get to that. And in the middle segment of the show, did you hear about this pandemic quote-unquote documentary? The 25, 30 minutes, I call it a trailer, I don't know, portion of the film that's going to be released at some point that YouTube pulled down. And for a minute, I started to believe the highly, highly conspiracy theory, uh, propaganda really is what I believe it in, in the end is. I almost started to believe it. And if I can start to believe it, imagine the most dullards of dullards and how many things they are and are not are not believing in uh, the world of the internet. All this is going to be kind of some of it a reoccurring theme for the first two-thirds of the show or so. So we'll start the second half of the first segment with two audio clips that I am calling a comboed kind of hybrid, the coolest thing and the worst idea thing I've talked about I want to do on the show when I get a chance. Just going to call this Notable Things. Two different audio clips. We will start first from that same vein that I was just talking about. He is the author of Fantasyland. Uh, Let's see, what is it called? Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire. His name is Kurt Anderson, and it's one of this week's notable things. Being an American means believing absolutely anything you want to believe. We've now taken that to such an extreme that a lot of us are unhinged from reality. A third of Americans believe that global warming is a hoax. A quarter of Americans believe that vaccines cause autism. A third of Americans believe that humans have always been the same, unchanged and unevolved, and that the government today is hiding natural cures for cancer. So how did we get here? It was a long journey by a multitude of paths. But in just the last half century, two things happened. One was the profound shift in thinking that came out of the 1960s. The other was the beginning of the new internet age. 
In the 60s, we had all kinds of new spiritual practices, new approaches to psychology, new belief in shamanistic cures, everything that became the new age. The 1960s on many fronts gave us permission to find our own truth and create our own realities. A generation later in the 80s and 90s, communications and media changed dramatically. First, the Fairness Doctrine, the federal rule that made sure that all radio and television presented both sides of any story, was abolished, enabling first Rush Limbaugh and then all kinds of talk radio which presented preposterous opinion as if it were a fact. And then of course the World Wide Web and the internet came along enabling every description of fantasist or crackpot to create his or her own version of reality that looked perfectly real. I found that via Twitter, the Fairness Doctrine of the United States FCC was introduced in 1949. It was a policy that required the holders of broadcast licenses to both present to both present controversial issues of public importance and to do so in a manner that was honest, equitable, and balanced. Basically, meaning you, it can't be conspiracy theory radio. You gotta you gotta kind of balance it out, and that would be subjective, I guess, from uh, one administration to the next. Maybe that's part of the reason why in 1987 the FCC voted to remove that uh, the fairness doctrine, meaning that anybody can kind of say and do whatever they want. Fast forward about 10 years to 1996, one of the shameful events of the Clinton administration was the Telecommunications Act of 1996. It's the first major overhaul of telecommunications law in almost 62 years at that point. So do that math and put it back in the, you know, the 96 minus 62 in the 30s. The goal of the new law is to let anyone enter any communications business. Uh, it would change the way that we work, live, and learn. It would affect telephone service, local and long-distance cable programming, and other video services, broadcasting services, and services provided to schools. It also allowed for broadcast companies to own as many radio stations, newspapers, and forms of media and communication as they wanted, basically removing all antitrust and any kind of conflicts of interest that might come about because of those accusations of all the radio stations and media companies and created a disastrous uh, landscape that would have inevitably ruined the entire industry that I love so much. All bunch of reasons why propaganda and fake news all became so prevalent earlier than we even realized, but certainly something that everybody is aware of, but still have a very, very difficult time deciphering what is and isn't and what has made the reality that we have feel like a factless society. Our second clip here of the notable things is the man himself, Dr. Fauci, Tony Fauci, right? And that is his first name, kind of the uh, the voice of coronavirus. And I don't know what the overall exact context is to this short, less than a minute clip. I found it on Twitter. It's from 60 Minutes and it is real. It's legit. But in all transparency, I didn't see the entire interview, and I know no more than what you're about to hear here, but I don't need to know the context. I've been screaming about the asinine lunacy of wearing latex gloves everywhere you go as some kind of way to protect others and yourself from a virus. Well, the masks are doing the same damn thing. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, Wearing a mask might make people feel 
a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. Now, I'm not exactly sure when those comments were made, and I don't know what was discussed before or after it, but his point is exactly what I didn't quite realize I knew about the mask, but I did know about the goddamn gloves. This is not any kind of real safety measures the, the the real safety measures measures is to stay away from public places and other people and social distance and all this it has turned in it's it's an optical illusion an optical um uh, judgmental society we're in now if something's over your face you're doing it right if something's not over your face you're an asshole or something you got gloves on oh everything's good and I've been talking about the latex gloves because I'm just some dumb asshole who can just use obvious common sense that understands that you're, the, the latex can gather just as many, many contaminants as anything else can. And now we've officially heard from one of the most prominent names in, in health, Dr. Fauci, saying these stupid masks, you're putting your hands on them all the time, you're taking them off and on, and you're not doing anything. This really isn't my opinion. It appears that the types that walk around wearing a mask and gloves, and never change them out after interactions they have with other people are more contagious and dangerous than those that do not. All right, all right, all right. Let's see. I'm running late once again on this segment. Let's transition over to the latest from the governors from Tennessee and Georgia. This was also uh, news that hit yesterday afternoon on Tuesday the 12th, that Los Angeles County would continue to enforce stay-at-home measures through July. Through July, all right? This is the most populous county in the entire country. It includes Beverly Hills, the city of Los Angeles, Burbank, uh, let's see, others of note, uh, Long Beach, Santa Monica, Torrance, Santa Clarita, and several other communities and cities. It is, um, it's huge, and it is shut down through most of the summer. I'm not from there and have spent no time looking at the data and the numbers for Southern California, so I don't have a strong opinion on that either way. But we are going the opposite direction here in the southeast in Georgia and Tennessee. This is uh, from... WSB, the latest, I highlighted a few of these, issued an executive order Tuesday that said live performance venues, bars, and nightclubs would stay closed through May 31st. He is strongly urging Georgians to continue wearing the face mask. You don't have to, but you will be shunned by the public if you don't. Restaurants will be allowed to hold 10 patrons per 300 square feet, increase party size from 6 to 10 people, and pretty much anything that they do in Georgia, they're going to do virtually the same thing here in Tennessee. He also urged Georgians to keep from having large gatherings. And the one thing I really did enjoy was anyone who got a driver's license without a test will have to do so in the near future. I haven't touched on that in the last few weeks because I either ran out of time or forgot. But yeah, Georgia allowed children's parents just to, de to decide whether they thought it was okay for them to start driving around. 
we're not going to test you, and we're not going to make you wait until it's safer to do so. Oh, God forbid, your idiot 16-year-old has to wait till you're 16 and a half, or I don't know, 17, or what I think it should be, 18, before you're even allowed to unrestrictedly drive on the roads in human death machines on the, on the super death machine highways that are all the roads around us. So, yes, at least we're going to make these dumb asshole parents who let their dumb asshole kids have licenses just because they, I don't know, didn't feel like driving them to the, <laughs> to the mall or whatever, even though the mall's not open. Ugh, jeez, Louise. And then uh, I didn't see if Governor Lee had the same kind of um, release. I didn't see it. What I did see when I did a search was Tennessee is hurting for money. The Tennessee Department of Finance and Administration says the state received $1.3 billion in whatever the last, however long it is, quarter, I guess. It is almost 40% down from April of 2019. And uh, all this, obviously, when you think about sales tax, gas taxes, uh, excess taxes, business taxes, hotel, motel, all those different ways to uh, generate revenue within the state. This isn't going to be a Tennessee-only problem, obviously. And, uh, man, it's just... It doesn't matter how you cut it, how you slice it, how you talk about it, what angle you want to take. It is, uh, we're in a bad way here in the worst year ever. And finally, from the Pulse here, the Entertainment Rag Alternative Weekly, Hamilton County School Superintendent Dr. Brian Johnson on Tuesday announced the formation of a school reopening task force to begin plans for children to return to school this fall. Keith Fogelman, Chief Talent Officer for Hamco Schools, and Lieutenant Colonel William T. Brooks, Director of JROTC for Hamilton County Schools, will lead the work to plan for the children's return to school in the fall. And, yeah, we have to reopen schools in September, regardless of what the data is saying, because we just can't have children not going to school. I mean, just that can't be a thing. We cannot destroy everything else around us because of a sickness. And maybe by then we will have more treatment, more testing, and maybe even a better idea when a vaccine will be. All right. As the coronavirus-themed podcast continues, what is the short film Plandemic? Who was the scientist interviewed that was shedding the most conspiracy theory? What do other healthcare professionals have to say about it? And damn it, man, if it didn't almost suck me in and having me believe damn near all of it. That is coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast. Stone On Air will be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. StoneOnAir.com Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Zubin Damania, a.k.a. ZDogMD. All right, about a million people have sent me this clip, Plandemic, about the conspiracy with... Fauci and Dr. Judy Mikovits, and I got to admit, I am shook. After having watched the whole thing, I am shook that Americans are so freaking stupid as to take even a second of this horrible garbage conspiracy nonsense seriously. Really? What is wrong with us as a people? What's gone wrong with our education? What's gone wrong with our common sense? Jackson Brown's classic done by Ben Folds. 
Welcome back in. So this video hit uh, YouTube late last week, and it was it's kind of called a trailer, but it was like 25, 30 minutes long of this new gotcha guy, conspiracy theory, film doc kind of thing called Plandemic. And it was really well done. And this goes back to, you know, 20, 15 minutes ago and talking about, you know, the Fairness Doctrine and the Telecommunications Act and allowing any old dipshit, you know, uh, uh, to be able to say and do whatever they want. This, this is the unintended consequences of maybe trying to open up. I don't know if Clinton's idea in the mid-90s was to create more work, more competition. I, I, I don't know. But this is one of those unintended co- consequences because after you know generations go by and technology gets to where it's at and, and, and skills and production levels get to where, they're, where they are, anybody can make a really, really high-end, uh, really good-looking uh, production, whether it be audio or video or whatever it might be that you're trying to perfect. And this video was very very well done. Had a good intro. Hell, it had a great name, Plandemic, and it had a a uh, uh, somebody on paper anyway. If you didn't dig too far, who had a lot of credentials to be able to speak on scientific matters. Her name was where is my goddamn notes? Judy. Uh, there it is. Judy Mikovits is American health activist and former medical research. And researcher, excuse me, and uh, I'll just put that to the side and let the uh, the clips I have kind of explain her grievances and issues here in just a minute. But I saw this, stumbled on it quickly, and watched the entire thing. Now, I always kind of, you know, give young people and just generalized idiots walking around having trouble having any kind of attention span. And you've got to grab somebody for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour is virtually impossible. Well, I'm I'm guilty of that. As well, I have trouble with my attention span, but I started watching this and I couldn't stop watching it. I watched the whole thing. And for a minute, not knowing any of its origins or who these people were or what it was, I thought it was actually really good. And I thought, wow, maybe this is one big conspiracy mess. Like it sucked me in. It had me believing stuff that I normally wouldn't believe and so I watched it all and I didn't I might have stopped it a couple of I did stop it a couple of times but I finished it and when I'm at work the day job well the only job I have now I often forget to log out of computers right those of you who've been around four or five years know what I'm snickering at there but I often forget to close out tabs and I came in the next day and started noticing that this had been pulled down from YouTube and people had been commenting on it and posting on it on Facebook Friends of mine, contemporaries, peers, people that I knew. These weren't crackpots. These weren't Twitter accounts that I didn't know who they were. This was my more social aspect on Facebook and a long thread on it. And I didn't comment or get involved in those weeds. But then I thought, okay, holy, you know, bleep. This is this is more uh, mainstream than I realized. And it had been pulled down. And so that was the other commentary. The other, you know, it, where do we stop? What? what is and isn't okay to be allowed to be uh, broadcast or posted to a social media site like YouTube. And I'm not going to get into that angle on it right now by any stretch, but that's certainly a conversation and a question you could ask as well. So that got me thinking, 
I need to pull this audio. I need to get it now. Well, at that point, it was too late. It was gone. Well, then I went to my tab that I hadn't closed out. And you know how, you know, sometimes what's already loaded, what's already played is still there. Well, I had just a little bit of time on the on the, sh- the screen still before it was going to close out. So I grabbed my phone. I hit record on my phone and recorded this from my work speakers. It's about a minute or so. And it just so happened to catch a really good section to give you an idea of what this is. Uh, it's not the best audio, but you'll be able to hear it. This is uh, from the original 25-minute uh, film. So Anthony Fauci. My name is uh, Dr. Tony Fauci. I'm the director. The man who is heading the pandemic task force was involved in a cover-up. He directed the cover-up. And in fact, everybody else was paid off. And paid off big time. Millions of dollars in funding from Tony Fauci, Tony Fauci's organization, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. These investigators that committed the fraud continue to this day to be paid big time by the NIAID. And the whole world is listening to his advice for how to handle this current pandemic. Yeah, and so that's 35 seconds of the actual film that I had watched. As I was continuing to look at things I had forgotten to close out on my work computer, I had a a copy and pasted to a Word document. The information, the description of that video I uh, had waiting there for me to print off that I totally forgotten about. And uh, give me about a paragraph, almost two paragraphs on this to give you an idea of the description of that uh, of that film they named it COVID-19 our leaders of world health predicted millions would die the national guard was deployed makeshift hospitals were erected to care for a massive overflow of patients mass graves were dug terrifying news reports had people everywhere seeking shelter to avoid contact the plan is unfolding with precision the masters of the pandemic underestimated one thing the people Medical professionals and everyday citizens are sharing critical information online. The overlords of big tech have ordered all dissenting voices to be silenced and banned. But they are too late. The slumbering masses are awake and aware that something is not right. Quarantine has provided the missing element, time. Suddenly, our overworked citizenry citizenry, excuse me, has ample time to research and investigate for themselves. And once you see, you can't unsee. The window of opportunity is open like never before. For the first time in human history, we have the world's attention. Plandemic will expose a scientific and political elite who run the scam that is our global health system while laying out a new plan, a plan that allows all of humanity to reconnect with healing forces of nature. 2020 is the code for perfect vision. It is also the year... That, that will go down in history as a moment we finally opened our eyes. So you kind of see where this is coming from. And damn it, man, it was so well done. This is from a group online called Verify. This is a uh, video they put out. It's kind of fact-checking the uh, the film. I'm not going to uh, get deep, deep into it. Give me about two minutes on this one. I'll put some commentary on top of it as well. It's called Plandemic, a 25-minute video claiming to show the real story behind COVID-19. 
YouTube is deleting it for violating guidelines on COVID misinformation, but that hasn't stopped tens of millions of people from sharing it on other platforms. So we're gonna dive into this, but first we wanna focus on who is putting this together. On their website, the creators say, the purpose of Plandemic is to quote, expose the scientific and political elite who run the scam that is our global health system while laying out a new plan that allows all of humanity to reconnect with healing forces of nature. So they've got a message they're trying to send and they do it in this snappy looking documentary. Let's go. Dr. Mikovits published a blockbuster article in the journal, Science. The controversial article sent shockwaves through the scientific community as it revealed that the common use of animal and human fetal tissues were unleashing devastating plagues of chronic diseases. For exposing their deadly secrets, the minions of Big Pharma waged war on Dr. Mikovits. Okay, we're 45 seconds in and we have to stop. And so I'm not going to, if you want to know all this, you can do your own research on it. But this is a fact check kind of, uh, kind of the website. The aim is to prevent the therapies till everyone is infected and push the vaccines knowing that the flu vaccines increase the odds by 36% of getting COVID-19. Stop there. This is false. So the idea is a, this was made in a Chinese lab and... Back to the video. Wearing the mask literally activates your own virus. You're getting sick from your own reactivated coronavirus expressions. And if it happens to be SARS-CoV-2, then you've got a big problem. Let's stop here. This is false. And so she's saying basically by wearing a mask, you create, you get sick because of your own dormant COVID. I don't know. So claim false. All right. One more time. The AMA was saying, you know, doctors will lose their license if they use hydroxychloroquine. No, they did not say that. And so there you go. Uh, I thought that was fun, and it was really long, and I didn't want to play it all because it would be boring. In other words, crackpot city here, it would appear. Uh, we'll hear from a couple of doctors here. One is Jeffrey Galvin. The other is Dr. Zubin Danamenia. Dr. Z-Dog is what he calls himself. This is Dr. Galvin saying, we need to lift any quarantine just so people don't have so much time on their hands to get such terrible information. Conspiracy theories. You know, we need to lift this lockdown for, if for no other reason than to get people away from the internet because people are going crazy. And, you know, I understand you're home, you've got nothing but time, and it's, it's like going down the wormhole, right? However, we, we need to look at these things with an eye. And I, I've tried through these videos to be fairly neutral and not take one side or the other, try to look at the data, look at the evidence. And he goes into two full, one, uh, two part videos, probably upwards of 30 minutes talking about all of this. And there was no reason to get too far into those weeds. This, uh, him talking about, there is plenty of, um, there's plenty of fact in a lot of the things they're saying in this video. And to, I, this is just me talking Mixing facts and fi fact and fiction could maybe be more dangerous than just straight up being falsehoods because I, I, I don't know how to explain it exactly. I think you, you, if you're listening to this, are smart enough to see where I'm coming from. When you, when you lay something with fact and there's enough fiction in there that can't be noticed, it's real easy to be manipulative and uh, kind of create a false, misleading narrative. You know, whenever you look at these things, you have to look at what they're claiming and you have to look at whether there's, there's actually veracity to those claims or not. 
and also how the information is, is portrayed. And very often, truth and fiction are mixed. And if you do that, then sometimes you can get away with some intellectual dishonesty. So I think we should talk about Dr. Mikovits first of all. Look, uh, intellectual dishonesty, I like that. And he went on to talk about her in depth, and it was a, a little boring. So I decided to go with uh, Dr. Z Dog, as he calls himself. Not exactly eloquent in his um, delivery here, but he kind of gets to the point pretty quickly. Why is this doctor, who is the main focus point of this 25 to 30 minute, you know, film movie trailer, uh, why is she so bitter? Judy Mikovits, if you do a simple Google search, you can find out the main claim of the video is that she was falsely arrested with no charges for like going against Fauci or something. No, she was arrested because she took, stole equipment, notes, and data from a lab that she was fired from. She's a PhD scientist. She was known for in 2009 putting out a paper saying that chronic fatigue syndrome was caused by a murine virus. Well, it turns out that paper was retracted from science when they realized no one could replicate it and her methods and science were completely shoddy. Now, ever since then, she's been on a mission to try to prove to people that she's not crazy. And this video does not help that. Yeah, she was terminated by the WPI, whoever that is, uh, for refusing to turn over a cell line that uh, she had in her laboratory when she was uh, fired and then subsequently came under investigation for uh, alleged manipulation of data in her publications related to the uh, to the science. Science is the name of these this uh uh, industry publication that is uh, quite uh, prestigious within the science and medical health community. And one more clip from Dr. Z Dog again, as he is a legitimate doc who just has this kind of online persona that is a lot of it's actually pretty uh, entertaining to a certain degree, anyway. Uh, his final thoughts This is crazy. Don't waste your time watching it. Don't waste your time sharing it. Don't waste your time talking about it because it's really frustrating to think that people are this freaking stupid. Really, you guys. Like we don't have other things to worry about than a crazy attention-seeking person who is using this crisis to capitalize here. She's been at this for years. Go back, go back. She's on natural news, all the anti-vaccine sites. Mikovits has spoken at a number of anti-vaccination events. She has claimed that retroviruses have contaminated 30% of vaccines. I'm not a, I, can't, I can't pretend like I know what a retrovirus is, but that has something to do with the way they study uh, viruses and vaccines. Mikovits has garnered criticism from scientists who have commented on the situation for stating that her findings were not able to be uh, replicated. So she comes up with a a theory and a, a a breakthrough, right? The proof of this study of this science experiment, and it has the uh, the overall look of something that is legitimate. And then after the uh, the publication, science goes back and has fact checkers and their own scientists try to recreate with the same data. They never could come up with the same findings. I'm, I'm trying to speak science world, you know, an industry full of brilliant people doing amazing things. 
uh, from a you know six pack brain <laughs> with the gin and tonic in my hand in my garage. I, I I can't exactly do it to give it justice, but it does appear that uh, that was nothing but a bunch of ridiculously out there crackpot theories. But it was presented so well. It was presented so professionally with such good production and uh, the hosting and the and the uh, meaning the host of the of the of the film itself, the questions, the interview tactics, the lighting. It was so good. And for a few minutes, it had me captivated and made me think for a minute, maybe this maybe this is all a bunch of bleep blah 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 blah. blah. And just imagine the most dullard mind that gets a hold of things that aren't even a third of this kind of production value that's allowed to still be out there because who's going to spend a lot of time caring about some amateur crap on YouTube? Ugh, we live in some very interesting, in some ways, scary in others, comical in many ways, and just kind of dumbfoundingly odd in others kind of world. Let's lighten it up on the way out the door here on the Stone on Air podcast for May 13th, 2020. It is still, though, right along the lines of the overall coronavirus pandemic-themed podcast. The best day ever? Maybe not, but the best day of the year for sure. And what is both the short-term and long-term projections, if you will, of the dining out industry which we're all realizing is even way more important to our quality of life than we already knew that it was. I will get to that coming up next. When I was young and I went out to dinner, that was an occasion for me. That was something I looked forward to. I dressed up for it, even in my 20s and 30s. I thought that was a big deal. Then I got hooked on restaurants like The Palm. And I will use a word that my son has has written in the notes, and it's the right word, allure. There is a tremendous allure that restaurants have. You go to the restaurant not only because the food is good, but because the noise level is acceptable, the people in it make you feel good. The entire experience is something that is beyond just the food. If we get to a part with restaurants where people are nervous and they they don't really want to stay in there, is the allure gone? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. What a great song and what an incredible show. It is, uh, it's easy to forget how influential that show, Cheers, was on for an entire generation of people, and really more than one generation, because it was that legendary of a TV show, and just going and hanging out at the bar was something that America and the world has been doing for way before, you know, the 1980s, whenever this show started, what, 1984? Five, two, I don't remember. Ended, I know, around 1990 or 91. Only going on memory on this. And my dad was a fanatical fan of the show. My mom loved it, too. She didn't sit in bars. 
I just had such a great cast, and uh, I grew up the same way. Where everybody knows your name, or just somewhere where you feel welcomed, you know? Somewhere where you feel accepted and, you know, come as you are, and um, it's it's easy to forget all about that until you're stuck in a in a world where you can't go do any of these things. And of course, just going out and eating and drinking here and there doesn't mean you're going where everybody knows your name. I'm you know, trying to make an overall uh, wide-sweeping generalization point. But this past weekend was the best day of the year. And one thing that's uh, it's easy to not pay attention to just because there's so much uh, distractions around is that we have had an incredible... Well, take away a couple violent storms. Sorry, I don't mean to even chuckle when I say it. Take away the tornado and take away uh, one other uh, thunderstorm that came through. And just about other than that, it has been... I mean, it's still spring. It's chilly at night. It's the middle of May. I mean, it has been really, really nice weather. And that's just been kind of making it almost that much more of a kick in the you-know-where when what we're used to is gathering, is being communal. Seeing friends, meeting strangers, having conversation with somebody at the bar you've never met before over the XFL game that's on and what they think about the new rules, which I had done several times earlier in this uh, in this year in the spring. It's those kinds of things that, that, that really do mean a lot more than you realize until it's just not there anymore. And Tennessee and Georgia have both relaxed the stay-at-home guidelines, and many establishments have opened up many have not Uh, tremont tavern just announced today on tuesday that they were going to just now start doing uh, curbside takeaway and i've already discussed my displeasure in that overall business model i i uh, patroned it plenty with several places but i'm tired of that i'm done with that and it is time to reopen with the uh, phased in steps that we're doing i don't love the arbitrary way the dates are set, but I can't have everything the way I want it. You'll never please all of the people any of the time. And this past weekend, my brother came into town. We were gathering for a just minor get-together for Mother's Day. Nothing uh, too complicated or what the you know Facebook and Twitter assholes would make you think like you're doing something wrong. None of those kinds of things. But on that Saturday... It was absolutely gorgeous. It was incredibly, amazingly beautiful out. I'm just guessing. I'm going to say it was 65 degrees out and bright blue sunshine soaked in sun on a Saturday afternoon. And me and him and two to four others, we had a total of six. We did try to make sure it stayed within that six guideline. Got a table in advance. Got there early to make sure it was going to be available at Champies. Even called in advance to make sure. Wanted to keep all the guidelines in order. And we sat there this afternoon and pounded on four pounds of crawfish. A couple of 40s drinks, maybe a shot here and there, whoever, I don't know. And it was such a joy. It was, it was, it was so great. It was such a delight We proceeded to then take the stroll down the way towards the new place, Goodfellas Pizza, that's next door to Wanderlinger, right behind Moxie Hotel. More than anything, that was my idea. I just wanted to see the place. 
it wasn't completely open yet. The downstairs speakeasy wasn't open yet. I have heard from people at work that this place is going to be one of the coolest uh, stops in town once we're open back up. And I just wanted to get an, uh, a peek at it. Walk from there down to Station Street between Terminal and the and Stir and backstage. Chat isn't that what it is? Backstage bar at the, at the uh, Comedy Catch. They brought a bunch of tables out into Station Street, roped it off, and put everything six, seven feet away. And the, once again, now we're just basking in the sunlight outside, having drinks, just doing what we used to do all the time. It took for such granted. And once again, a pleasure. So nice. So much fun. There is nothing more notable to to tell you about this afternoon other than just social interaction with people we love and care about and having a couple of drinks not partying we're not throwing down this isn't this isn't some kind of a huge party this is just functioning normal adults deciding for themselves what is and isn't dangerous and what isn't isn't acceptable within the guidelines that most everybody is hoping that we all follow. It was done very, very efficiently. And I absolutely will not apologize for this. And I got hit up uh, with a phone call from one person in particular, used to be in media here in Chattanooga, is now in another city, loving to death, one of my best friends, who was chastising me for being, you know, what are you doing, man? This is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. And I was basically like, click. I mean, not quite, but close. And then other people who have commentary on social media, I won't apologize. Not going to do it. We weren't doing anything wrong. And it was not the hashtag hashtag best day ever, but it was the hashtag best day of the year. On the way out here, I got a couple of clips from the Tony Kornheiser podcast, which he has been doing two or three times a week rather than the normal four to occasionally five times a week. It's basically just a radio show in a podcast form. And he had one show where he was just talking to people locally in Washington, D.C., small business, just one of those like, hey, charity kind of shows. It wasn't that interesting, but it was still Tony, and I'm going to listen to virtually anything he ever does. And I, I wrote the name down. I don't have it here now. Uh, it was It's a, a very successful DC local D.C. Uh, restaurateur that he had on talking about the state of the industry, where it's going, what he uh, thinks short-term and long-term for not just locally in D.C., but across the country as far as dining out is concerned. And on the uh, rejoin there, Tony asking, is the allure gone? Will it be gone forever? Is this something we can get back? This was his answer from his guest, the restaurateur from D.C. on the Tony Kornheiser show. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly for the next, you know, nine to 12 months, I do think the allure is going to be gone. It's, it's not an enjoyable experience to go out and worry about having a mask on and, oh, my God, who's at the table next to me. So until there's some sort of vaccine or something, I, I do think the allure is gone. And the pivot's just going to be how do you survive in a world of carryout and delivery and how can you let your product stand out and how does your product, you know, travel to home. But absolutely, I think the allure is going to be gone for a while. Now, I do think when there is a vaccine or better treatment 
and people do think it's safe to go out, I do think people are going to start eating out in droves. I think people are going to miss it, and I think they're going to miss that community feeling. So I don't think it's the model's changed forever. I just think it's changed for the next year while the smart scientists figure this thing out. But certainly the allure for the next 9 to 12 months is, is shot. But I do think eventually this is going to come back, and I think it's going to come back sort of stronger than ever. And I agree with all that. I don't know if it's a year or nine months or a year and a half or by September. That part I'm not sure about. What I continue to hear, though, that I am not subscribing to the theory of is the new normal. And we use that all the time. Anytime there's a shift in anything small, big, no matter what it is in our life, well, this is the new normal. No, it doesn't have to be the new normal. Um, you can create the norm within small portions of your life and even big portions of your life if you have any kind of influence over it. So I'm not going to subscribe to the theory that we're coming to an all of a sudden huge, massive new normal. It just might be a while before we get back to the normal that we want. Uh, Tony goes on to talk to his uh, D.C. restaurant tour guest about uh, what do dining establishments do to survive on the short term? If you got enough capital and enough investors and enough patience and enough uh, energy and drive, then you can survive this. But what about on the short term, regardless if you have any of those things, how do you make this work right now? And I just think it's going to be a carry-out, fast, casual model for the short and sort of middle term. I don't see people feeling comfortable to go out into crowded restaurants and dine in. You know, restaurants are talking about, okay, we'll spread the tables out. And But these dine-in restaurants, like if you're only dining at 30 50% capacity, that model just doesn't work. So I think any sort of dine-in restaurant is going to have to change the model for at least the next year. They're going to have to go heavy carry-out, heavy delivery. Even if some people do feel comfortable eating out, it's not going to be sort of packed to the gills like it used to be. And that's the way these restaurant models work, right? Restaurants operate on razor-thin margins. It's a quantity business. And if you can only dine out in sort of limited capacity, the model's broken. Yeah, there's only three industries that I have firsthand experience and knowledge in and that is the radio industry media all the way around um, the beverage beer primarily but overall vending industry and the restaurant industry and i'm the furthest removed from the restaurant industry i have fast casual as he just mentioned as that's going to be the new short-term model as a takeout fast casual I worked from the time I was 16 until I was 21 years old in fast casual dining. Think uh, McAllister's, Schlotzky's, Glen Jean Deli, those kinds of places. And I worked at all three of those for a couple of years, year and a half each. And so I have an understanding of the way you manage produce, uh, your pars for your meats and your cheeses and your dairies and all those, all those kinds of you know, elements that go into having a safe and uh, efficient overall working kitchen. And I don't know how you do that when you take away your occupancy of, you know, this many tables to times this many days times this many hours equals this much revenue when all you can rely on are the delivery services, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and all the rest of them, online orders, drive-through, and call-ins. Final thoughts from the restaurateur from Washington, D.C. 
What do you think long term, dude? I truly believe, and maybe I'm just delusional because I'm in this business and I want to hope the best, but I truly believe when there's either a vaccine or a treatment or something that I think once this thing opens up and after it's been, you know, two, four weeks and people are realizing there's, uh, you know, not an uptick in cases and it is safe to go out, I do think people are going to have a short memory and people are going to want to get back to congregating at restaurants and having group meals and sort of rubbing elbows in bars. So maybe I'm delusional and... You know, that's the human spirit is being too positive to really realize what's going on. But I, I truly do believe once it is safe to go out, people are going to have a short memory and people are going to get back to it. I believe that, too. I absolutely do. And um, I hate to have done an entire uh, podcast with the overall theme, the overall subject matter being the pandemic that is COVID-19 coronavirus. But right now, that's all they're really is to talk about, and to be totally honest with you, I thought a lot of that uh, had a lot of interesting angles to it. I hope you did as well. This is one of those, damn, I put a lot of work into that to only have a handful of people hear this. What I wouldn't do to have a radio show and a podcast together that could kind of complement each other might be a possibility of that here into the somewhat near future. I don't know enough about that yet to comment any further y'all have a great week we'll do it again on the 20th of may my name is brian stone stone on air on all social media like share review leave a comment if you'd like or don't do any of those things as long as you download and listen i guess at the end of the day that's all that really matters have a great week talk to you next week see you later bye Everybody knows your name